I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If Again. You yeah, my name is Daniel. I'm here with Pastor Troy. Da, da, da. We are. You do that every yeah. week. It's da, pretty da, fun. Da, 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 da. Yep. I, I try to do. I try to be consistent every week to do. <laughs> Stream of consciousness. Well, we're really excited to jump into what week is the text this? today? Twenty second week. Twenty two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Man. Moving along. Chucking on right along. Not, That's right. You know, it feels like we should be past. Uh, in some ways, it feels like we shouldn't be as far along. Mm-hmm. In other ways, it feels like we should be past the halfway mark. For the year, we but we are not. Our past. No, tw- no we 20, need to get 26, to twenty-six. 26 right. Yeah. Math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Math. It is a thing. Yes. <laughs> but uh, oh well, here we go into this week, and I think I've said before that we've had amazing weeks of reading. You may have mentioned it. <laughs> I may have said it before, but this is, you know. I, I hate to say it's my favorite week, <laughs> but my goodness. There, well, first of all, let me just step back because this is what's amazing about this week's reading. This planets have aligned, stars are positioned correctly because in a sermon series that I prepared oh. a year ago had no reference to the fact we were reading through the Bible and so forth, did not try to track it out, but it 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 absolutely tracked out to the reading for this week lines up with a series of messages that we are in. Whoa. And so the literal text that we are preaching on this Sunday was uh Woo. was in the reading this week. That's I I, I could have never planned that better. Planned I, only God could do that. And uh through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we'll just take it <laughs> as a God thing. It was pretty uh, it was just pretty amazing because it is it is an amazing because when you talk about the Gospel of John, and I'll just start talking about the New Testament. We are in some of the the chapters we read this week in the New Testament are I think the most I'm just going to go out on them the most meaningful chapters in all of Scripture, mm. and and for this reason because you have Jesus getting ready to be crucified, he has an intimate moment with his disciples. Judas has left the room, and he basically says, "I'm going to get real with you." Uh, no more. And they even say, you're not speaking in parables to us. Now you're speaking super clear. It's like, I have something really important to share with you. A lot's getting ready to go down and I've, and we got to get this on the table. And, and John just writes it all down. And, uh, and it is, it's, it really is. If there is something that's the most important thing to communicate when Jesus goes to the trouble to say, I'm going to give you not a thousand, not a hundred, not ten, but one commandment. <laughs> I'm going to narrow it down to one thing that I really want you to get. That would be important to know. I'd written it down too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like it's here. Here we go. Let's narrow this down. Do not forget this commandment. And we'll talk about that. Um, so that's why. But and then he and next week's reading gets into uh, uh, his priestly prayer, high priestly prayer. Uh, over the disciples and all over all of us, which is amazing. But this is this dialogue um, 
the, the secret, Bruce Wilkinson had a book uh, years ago that was the guy who did Prayer of Jabez, if you're familiar with that book. He had a, what I think was a much better book called Secrets of the Vine, also a little tiny book that was easy to read, mm-hmm. but just went it delved into what Jesus was talking about in uh, in being uh, in talking about his father being the vine uh, or him being the vine and his father being the vine dresser. Uh, that is a is very very important for each of us as followers of Christ to understand that dynamic of Christ abiding in us and us abiding in Him and really meditating upon that to understand what that means each and every day to have Christ living in me and me living in Christ. So that's that's in this week's reading and uh, and then back in First Kings and we actually make it all the way to Second Kings. Uh, we start with Solomon uh, start starts to fall apart, mm-hmm. and uh, it really is such a sad moment. God, in fact, brings enemies against him, says his kingdom is going to fall, uh, but he says, "I'm not going to do it to you, but you're, but it is going to happen w- during your son's reign." And, and, and just to clarify, uh, in case I forget to talk about it later. When you talk about the fall of a king, when when God comes to a king and says, I'm not going to do this to you, but I'm going to do it to your son, it's not like the son was being really good and God's like, I'm sorry, but your dad was bad, so I'm going to punish you. It really comes out as the son is just as evil as the father. And so God is just basically staying his hand saying, you've you've done this and you've passed it on to another generation. And so judgment's going to come because if they're, in fact, we've seen if if their heart was repentant, if they did turn away, then God would relent. But uh, they don't repent, and He does not relent, and so it, it doesn't it doesn't get better for Solomon's son. So we'll see that the kingdom is going to be divided. It lasted for Saul, David, and Solomon, and then Israel is split in two, and uh, and and forever. And so that's going to happen. After that. <laughs> There's one of the worst stories. <laughs> I oh, think man. I, it's just such a horrible story. We'll talk about that. We have to talk about that. And um, just a, I don't even know why it's there. I just look at it and think, why is this here? And I, I, I'll I mean, I think I, 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 I know. We'll look at that in a second. And uh, but then one of my favorite characters in scripture, uh, Elijah. Mm. Uh, who is important because he's a strong enough prophet that it's foretold that before Jesus comes, there will be a new Elijah or Elijah will return. Jesus tells us that that's John the Baptist. He identifies him. identifies him, yes. But then Elijah literally does return at the Mount of Transfiguration. So uh, so so it's kind of a twofold thing. Uh, That's pretty important. So Elijah and Moses, those are the only two guys that make it to that meeting. That's fairly prominent. But Elijah's meeting on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal is one of my favorite Oof, stories in Scripture. Yeah. It is so, so powerful, cool. so a powerful. little funny. It is a little, yeah, the, the, some humor injected, yeah. but the power of that moment mm-hmm. of calling, yeah, it's just we'll, we'll hopefully we'll get to that, and uh, and then we actually go all the way through to uh, Ahab's downfall and Elisha's um, uh, coming of of uh, the mantle being passed to Elisha. So the whole story of Elijah was in last week's reading. So this is one of those, I would say, if you haven't started the reading, 
don't start where we are this week. I would go back a week mm. and and get this week's reading in, uh, which starting we started with First Kings uh, eleven, and uh, and then read through First uh, Kings. Well, just go back to First Kings eleven and start there and try to catch up, and then uh, and then I would read uh, definitely. Do not skip over John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Those four chapters in the Gospel of John are are, are just imperative. So that's uh, that's kind of our summary. So we'll get into. We got a lot of questions, and we also got uh, some th- thoughts we want to share with the reading. So we'll get to that. We are back. And that we're gonna happen. we're gonna go back to the ping to the pong. The ping kinda, and the pong. I like method. the ping pong. Yeah, I, I was listening to the podcast and you were droning on and I on know. about something. I just talk and talk <laughs> and talk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was listening to me. I was like, I you know I get tired of listening to one or the other of us. I but, know. Uh, but when I we need get a variety. But, but it's like when you when you finish a thought, mm-hmm. it just is more natural to say, okay, no, I'll do a thought. Oh and, yeah. And so forth. And we love having guests on this podcast too. We do. And we were supposed to have a guest today. We were. We were yeah. so we were actually so excited about getting back to having guests. That's why that microphone is there. If you're, if, well, if you're on listening to the podcast, you can't see me pointing at the microphone. We do have another microphone But, uh, but there is a time. microphone uh, sitting right there waiting for somebody to sit here. So if you are, we haven't really, um, uh, what would you say, a strict uh, screening process for guests? So strict. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, if you say, I would like to be on the podcast, then we say, Sure. Okay. <laughs> Magic words. Uh, then uh, that's the that's the screening process because we really love to hear what other people have to and and we have had some great guests. I oh, missed man. that part of Me it. Too. That was my favorite part of the podcast was having the guest on. It and, was and uh, it's it was, been fun. I mean, it's been fun going back and forth. With yeah, just you. yeah. But it feels like we've been quarantined together for yeah. like two, for two or three months now. So it feels just like that. It does feel just <laughs> like that, doesn't it? Okay, All well, right. here, let me get into it, because uh, this is from 1 Kings 13, 16 through 19, uh, and this is, uh, to give a little background, there's a story of a prophet who is, uh, the, there's an old prophet and so forth, and then this young guy has a word from the Lord, and he's going to uh, speak this word to, uh, I think, Jeroboam, and uh, yeah, he's, and mm-hmm. so he's saying, basically, uh, well, a little bit more background, the, uh, the kingdom has split, Rehoboam has not done what he was supposed to do. Uh, Jeroboam was, it was prophesied that Rehoboam would lose the kingdom that except for one tribe, the tribe of Judah would be saved and all the people who were willing to live within the area of Judah. So it's a little bit confusing sometimes because like Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin, Mm. yet he is a Jew because, but it was because there were a lot of Benjamites who lived in Judah. Uh, the temple was in Jerusalem, so Judah got the temple in the division, and so uh, a lot of people like Levites and so forth did not want to leave that. But all the ten tribes, excluding the tribe of Levi, you had Judah and then uh, ten other tribes, all went and formed what was called the Northern Kingdom or Israel. Mm-hmm. And under King Jeroboam, he instantly said. You know what? If I uh, don't form a new temple or a new place of worship, a high place for people to come worship, then they're all going to be going back to Jerusalem. Then they're going to wind up aligning themselves with Judah Mm. and they're going to overthrow me. So he said, I'm going to form a new worship. I'm going to let anybody be priest. You don't, doesn't matter what tribe you're from. Anybody can be a priest. And 
He molds golden calves. Boy, that's a throwback, wow. isn't it? So he brings back golden calves and say, here are the golden calves. Here are the gods that brought you out of Egypt, just like their pagan forefathers. Mm. And the uh, and so God is not super pleased with that. In fact, so displeased with Jeroboam that he goes, sends a, prophet, or a man of God to go and say, uh, you're not only going to lose the kingdom, but your whole family's going to be wiped out, mm. and nobody's—you will never have another son to reign on the throne, which comes true. So this guy shares this, has this information, comes and shares it, and then is leaving, and he has made a pledge that he is not to eat or drink while he is in, or at least not to eat, uh, yeah, eat, eat no bread or drink, and uh, while he is in Israel, he has to get back to Judah. So here's where the story picks up. Um, and uh, and as he meets this prophet who said who wants him to stay, and and so he says uh, he's trying to convince him to stay. And here's where it picks up in First Kings chapter thirteen, verses sixteen through nineteen. It says, "And he said, uh, the man of God, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place." For I've been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor nor return by going the way you came. He said to him, this is the other guy talking, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. That's literally a parenthetical note in the word. <laughs> he was lying to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. I hate this story so bad because uh, – and, and I wrote that this story used to really bother me because it seemed so unjust. Um, but then I put this comment down, which helps me to deal with it. and Maybe it will help you. <laughs> uh, but now I realize this is the temptation all of us face. And has been the tool of the enemy since the Garden of Eden. Mm. The enemy simply lies to us. Uh, I, I, uh, it, I, I was gonna say Islam. It's Islam. Islam. <laughs> Islam. Well. You know that religion, Islam. Uh, Islam and Mormonism uh, both mimic this story with an angelic revelation. Mm. It's it's literally the same thing. Mm. They you have two prophets who said an angel of the lord spoke to me and told me you need to do this and the penalty is the same wow and that uh is really kind of uh, when you when you see that in the story you realize oh this is exactly what we are dealing with now in fact paul even says that if anyone comes to you with something other than the gospel even if it's an angel of the lord uh that person should be accursed because it, they're they're trying to keep you from being faithful to the word that God has given, and the enemy uses people who are well-meaning. And that's when you read the story. This guy, it's, it's not he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. The prophet who's sharing it, he just wants the guy to stay and eat with. He wants to he wants this man of God in his house. He's so intrigued by him, and um, and then does a very gracious burial for him after he's <laughs> killed by a lion uh, by the hand of God. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder that just because uh, when you when you look at the origin of religions and when you look at anything like um, uh, when you look at people with the Christian scientists or Scientology or uh, I'm trying to think Mormonism, uh, Islam, um, I don't want to get into Eastern religions, but but these all have a flavor of Christianity. They have 
they have aspects of Judaism blended in. And so it's kind of like saying that when the guy says, I am a prophet as you are, that is exactly the mm. conversation we have with people in these faiths. They're like, look, we're just alike. I also follow Jesus. Yeah. I am a follower of Christ as you are a follower of Christ. But what they are saying, if they are not lying intentionally, they are lying ignorantly mm. because they are communicating a false truth or a false gospel. Right. And so we also are held accountable. If we fall for that or believe that, the, the punishment's the same. We, mm. we also incur God's wrath. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Huge, crazy that you know we get these these ideas in our head of spirits like evil spirits that they look different mm-hmm. from godly godly spirits, godly angels. Right. That we have these, you know, even though we know the caricatures are not like in our head, we know that's probably not accurate representation of what they look like. We don't think they look exactly the same. They talk exactly the same, and they feel exactly the same. Yes. As heavenly messengers, it's. It's the message that varies. It is the it is the truth of God's word that we have to adhere to. Mm. Uh, that is because it, it, we are easily deceived. It was, that, and that's why I said it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God had said clearly, "Do not eat of this tree." Mm. Period. And yet, that was the enemy tried to find a way to say, "I, you could eat of it. You know, it's okay. It'll be all right. You know." And and you are now put with a choice. Do I believe the voice of this person talking to me? A snake, obviously. I, you would think that would be a little bit of a you know <laughs> a tip. <laughs> do I believe the snake, or do I believe? Well, he had legs at the time. I guess. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, snake with legs, obviously, much more believable. Um, <laughs> but uh, a snake versus God. Well, the right response is always go back to God, mm-hmm. go back to Him, and say, Hey, the snake said this. What gives? Right. <laughs> uh, but but they didn't, and that which which reveals they had a desire to betray God. Mm. Yeah, and so they yeah. did. They were not interested in knowing the truth. They were interested in eating of that tree. So mm. wow, that's good. Mm. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. <but laughs> it's bad. I, I get it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Pong. All back right. to Daniel. Over here, over here. Um, Bible pong. We should start a new game <laughs> for youth groups or something. Oh man, so I both of my kind of observations are a little more broadly scoped, mm-hmm. I guess, in in scope this time. But I'm I'm reading through the kings and just seeing king after king after king. This is a good king. This is a bad king, and then like eight bad kings, and then another good king here stuck in, and just seeing the variance of experiences with their rule, with their reign, and and it's just it strikes me the link between obedience. To God and success and like a good good experience in their lifetime and and I'm I'm if you know me I am not a, like a health and wealth type of person prosperity you know, guy prosperity gospel kind of person the opposite for sure hard times are in it for Christians and God's people but just but also the quality of life is just markedly better for those who love the Lord it's got different hardships and things that are differently difficult. But just the how much more successful you are in life when you're following the Lord's plan for it. And just the blessing, like Moses holding up to the people, you know, do you want your blessing or do you want your curses? And that's that's during their lifetime. It's not just like heaven or hell bound, you know. So it's just just interesting to me just to watch all these kings 
rise and fall. And this one was an evil king, did worse than all of the others before him, and he lived about four years. And this king did right in the sight of the Lord, and he reigned for 40 years. Mm. And just the difference between the two, I think, is is just cool to to take back. It's not as focused in or um, insightful, maybe, but I think it's good for us That's to, good. Very to good. remember that we're, um, as servants of the Lord, if we, if we want to fight him mm. every step of the way, we're going to have a harder time. And because we're we are we are his servants. We right. weren't we weren't rescued from bondage into absolute freedom. We were rescued from bondage into servanthood. And, and to uh, to be in, yoked with him. Yes, to be yeah. yoked with him. And that's not just go do what you want when you want to do it. Right. And if we try to do that, he's the stronger ox. You know, right. <laughs> he's going to pull us along. It's not going to be fun for us. <laughs> right. uh, but if we go, you with can him, either walk easy or be dragged. Right. <laughs> but if we go with him, we'll go a lot further, a lot yeah. faster, and a lot yeah. have a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, and so. learn the way. And learn the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be able to pull others. Yeah. So, so anyway, sweet, sweet, good stuff. Minor observation. Oh, I like it. Very good. I, you know, this really, this is perplexing to me because um, I would love to. Uh, nobody asks questions about John thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. <laughs> and I, the only reason I'm not going to highlight anything from that is because we just did a series of messages. That's right. <laughs> on that, on those. Exact scriptures. And those messages are on this podcast. That's exactly right. You, the Understanding Jesus podcast, if you're not familiar with it, on Mondays, we drop the sermon from Sunday. And so it is, and there's a variety of different series, all focusing on understanding Jesus. Uh, that's what we always preach. <laughs> Christ and Christ <laughs> crucified. Um, and then on Thursdays, we look at the Bible readings. Not necessarily Bible reading for this for the sermon, mm-hmm. although it lines up this week, uh, but we do look at the Bible readings uh, that we're as we're reading through the Bible together. Uh, so yeah, so I'm just that's my deferment. If you have not listened to the other podcast of the sermon, uh, if you want some, if you want to focus on John 13 4, or John 14 15 and 16, uh, that is included in that sermon series. And uh, and this uh, this Sunday we wrap it up. So uh, so that that is that is there for you. So. With that said, I wanted to. Uh, it was First Kings uh, 19 that I want to look at, but this is, again needs a little backstory. The story of Elijah is one that uh, he, Elijah gets a message from God that is not going to rain. He uh, and and this is such an impactful thing that uh, James references him uh, in the in the book of James in the New Testament, uh, where you have a righteous man who prays for it to stop raining. Elijah, a man as we are. Ask God to make it stop raining, and it stops raining for three years. Mm. And so they go through a famine. And and so he go, basically goes to Ahab and says, you're an unrighteous king. Ahab was so bad, so, so bad, and uh, and had set up a temple for Baal and, and had married a woman who was from another country who was a uh, Asherah Baal worshiper and Jezebel. Jezebel resonates when people think of evil woman. Jezebel is the epitome of the evil Nobody's woman. Nobody's naming in their kid Jezebel. That's right. Just, if you Let's do, see that in the baby oh, books. so bad, so bad. If you <laughs> name your kid Jezebel, we talk. Uh, I don't. In, 
in some circles, people talk about having the spirit of Jezebel. If uh, somebody says you have the spirit of Jezebel, that is not a compliment. Not a compliment. So, uh, anyway, she does some hideous, heinous activities, but she is a Baal worshiper. And Elijah and, and they, him have these confrontations. Uh, and so, basically, God takes Elijah and says it's going to – this is an incredible story. If you have not read it, I really, really, really encourage you to go back and read First Kings 11 uh, through the end of First Kings. The Elijah – it stops raining. Elijah, God takes him to a brook, and he and while he's at the brook, he brings ravens and feeds him and takes care of him and so forth. And then when the brook dries up, again, there's no rain, he takes him into another country to live with a widow. And the widow believes that she's getting ready to die, and so she has enough bread and oil to make – or flour and oil to make a cake, one last cake, and then she's planning for her and her son to die. And Elijah says, if you'll take me in and you'll make me a cake first – then your flour and oil will never run out, and that's what happens. That never it never runs out, uh, and uh, and and he becomes this uh, actually a, a point of salvation for the uh, the thing. A, a kind of a side note on that: you have Israel's king who is being obstinate and worshiping pagans. So God takes the word, basically you can think of it like this, he takes his word into another country, into a pagan mm. nation, away from Israel, and he blesses a non-Israelite person. Mm. And so he puts his word in another home, and that's where his salvation is present, is out of Israel. And uh, so much that could be said there. But uh, So then uh, God tells him it's time to go back. And so he goes back and he uh, tells Ahab, I'm going to end this, but I want to first, we're going to have this confrontation on Mount Carmel between the prophets of Baal and uh, Elijah. The story is so great because he says, he, he they get to go, for, basically it's a showdown. And he says, let's do this. We'll each build an altar and we will ask our God to send fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. And whosever, whoever's God responds, that is the true God. Everybody's like, great. So you have the 400 prophets of Baal, I think 300 prophets of uh, Asher or whatever. And so you have this mass of prophets, and they start they start out first. So they put their sacrifice on the altar, and they begin crying out and praying, and they cut themselves and bleed and so forth and cry and cry. And then Elijah, the, the awesome part is Elijah begins to taunt them. <laughs> he begins to say, maybe he's asleep, or maybe he's gone on a holiday or something. You know, maybe you need to yell louder or I something. I with Elijah so and, much. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's like that sense. So awesome and then they go through the whole day and of course there's no response and then elijah takes his sacrifice cuts up the bull that he's sacrificing on the altar and then puts on the sticks and, and he well and he reforms the altar of god the altar of god has been broken down uh and they built these altars for baal so he rebuilds the altar of god and puts a sacrifice on it and then ask him and digs a trench around the sacrifice and ask him to throw water on top of the sacrifice. So now he's wetting the wood and wetting down the sacrifice so it won't burn. And he wets it. He pours so much water on it. It not only covers the, all the, the wood with, uh, with water and the sacrifice with water, it fills the trench with water around it. And then he basically just steps back and goes, all right, God, show me who's a real God. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. And and then fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the wood, 
licks up all the water out of the trench and consumes the stones. The yeah. <laughs> it consumes the rocks. So it's like, whoa, big demonstration. And then it gets a little bit dark because he's like, all right, now let's kill every prophet of Baal. <laughs> and uh, and so the people are like passionate. They're like, obviously they can see that God is the true God, that he's the God of Israel. And so in their zeal and under the direction of Elijah, they wipe out all the prophets of Baal. Uh, not a good day to be a prophet of Baal. Not a good day. <laughs> so then he... Uh, Jezebel says, uh, the day will not end, uh, before, uh, if I do not, or so be it, this may the same thing happen to me or whatever, if I do not kill Elijah by the end of this day and uh, that he suffers the same fate as the prophets of Baal. And then he freaks out and he runs and he hides. And so then it, it becomes this, it becomes this very real moment of he just had this incredible demonstration of God's power and now he's running for his life for mm. fear of Jezebel. And uh, and so he goes out and hides, and uh, and that's where we pick up in First Kings chapter nineteen, verses five through eight. It says, "Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat.' Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked by baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back to the the, the second time." And touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, there are only two supernatural fasts in Scripture. One is Moses, who goes 40 days and nights without water or food. Obviously, you can't live that way, so don't try to imitate that. (laughs) Uh, And Elijah. In this instance, the support. Again, the two people who have this uh, encounter with it. Also two people who have an encounter with the angel of the Lord. Mm. And uh, who has that pre-incarnate uh, uh, Christ yeah. kind of, uh, Christophany kind of uh, theme there. Uh, but the but the coolest part to me is, in this, is that he's in this, he has, he's done the will of the Lord. And he's just afraid. He's very human. Yet God comes to him and just ministers to him. And sees him there and brings him. I mean, can you imagine having having God so close to you that He brings you a cake with water? I, I mean, personally. Mm. I mean, it's not like I, you know, this isn't a widow that's bringing in or a village nearby village or little elves or something that pop up or whatever. <laughs> Literally, a messenger from the Lord. It could be the preincarnate Christ. It could be, or but it, we know it's a messenger from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he brings him water from God, a cake from God, mm-hmm. and it's like you, you are. I know you're worn out, you're exhausted, mm-hmm. you, you know. And and it just shows. It just shows. This is the the picture of what Christ Christ offers us, you know. And and when he when he would see the multitudes and see that they were hungry and the disciples are wanting to send them away, it's like he's saying. That's not how I do things. When I see people who are in need, when I see people who are hungry, when I see people who are worn out and who are desire to be with me, I feed them. I give them something to drink. And so I am I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And and that just resonates so much with what I think we all need today is mm. to know that in all the things that are happening around us and all the things that are going on, our God is always ready to take care of us. He he will minister to us when no one else will minister to us. Okay. I, wow. So, I don't really want to follow that, Troy. I don't, uh, I don't have to. 
<laughs> I don't know what I can say now. That's kind of one of that's awesome. Um, well, uh, I'm going to jump forward to the Psalms a little Ooh. bit. Um, in I was Psalms hoping you would. Chapters 70 and 71 um, has David again uh, talking, and if you've you've been reading, you're up to 70 something Psalms at this point. If you've been doing the reading with us, so you kind of have a vibe for how these things go. But um, I wrote down this from kind of observation from 70 and 71. It says, um, David um, is by now advanced in years. He's old and still struggles with the same hardships that he did when he was younger. You know, people coming after him unjustly. And um, it's interesting that God calls David a man after his own heart. Most of these psalms have been a a complaint of unjust judgment from men. I can see how this mirrors the heart of God, who so many despise without cause. Mm. Uh, and yeah. and I, there's a lot to be said about being a man after God's heart, and there's so much to unpack and, and probably misinterpreted in a lot of ways. But, man, how many of the Psalms, David's heart cry was, Lord, how long will you put up with unjust people and unjust things? And I look around our world Right now, and I look around um, at, at what happens, and we see the wicked prosper and sin abound, and we think, God, how long are you going to put up with this? And and God's there saying, you know, I get it. I I was unjustly accused and unjustly beaten, and I was I was treated that way. And so this this link between David and God in these Psalms is awesome because. God's heart resonates with ours in those moments. It mm. says, I, I went through everything you're going through. Um, follow me. And and at, at the very, he may not take you out of it, but he'll be with you through it. Mm. I mean, he, he went through it first as far as we're concerned. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's solid, I mean, though. I mean, yeah. that's, that's um, I mean, I, I think so often when we read through the Psalms, we read them, it's hard to put ourselves in the place of the person who's writing the psalm and, and realize the the broken nature of and, and to also reflect on that these were these were part of a Psalter that were sung over and over again. That this was like like literally I mean we think of the songs that people write today, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just basically you're taking the um, I, I almost, I guess, a, a lament I would have is that in our music today, I think we do not talk about our own struggles yes. as much as we just simply try to focus on everything's good, mm. you know. But uh, and that's where the the people of Israel obviously were blessed yeah. to have to have, they and, knew and, how to and mourn. we were blessed. We have it if we would reference it more. Right. They knew how to mourn. They knew how right. To, how to but I don't think even when we sing the Psalms, I think we try to make it something more like just re- like thing. religious words right. than, yeah. It than, just seems like they're far, far more complaining in the Psalms than yeah. praise almost. Yeah. Complaint sounds bad, but you know what yeah. I mean? But, but a really a, an understanding that God can handle our, you know, just really asking God why, you know, and, and help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Which, which really communicates our heart in a lot of ways. <laughs> I do have one other kind of half point no, that yeah, I'll do before you because I think you're going to do one more no, before I'm, we go to break. No, I'm, no I'm, that's it. I'm, that's it. Okay, yeah. well, I got one one little thing that I like in, in back in Second Kings and the transition between Elijah and Elisha. Yeah, and it's where um, Elijah had just been taken up. Elisha said, you know, he had asked Elijah, "Hey, it, how do I? How will I? Can I have a second helping of a double helping of your spirit?" Yes. And Elijah says, "Hey, man, if you see me go, sure." 
And yeah. so he does see him go. He drops his cloak. And this is so cinematic to me. Elisha picks up the cloak and walks over. Elijah had previously slapped his cloak on the right. stream or the river and um, and had parted it, you know, in typical Old Testament fashion. And um, so Elisha picks up the cloak. He's still got a river he's got to go through. And he says the words, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And strikes it and it parts. And it's like this epic there's going to be a sequel type That's moment right. in this movie. And there are witnesses. And there yeah. Yeah, there's guys around going, "Whoa!" Whoa! <laughs> and then they did something dumb and made fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't go so well. That was good. But man, <laughs> the just, old she bears. Yeah, just the just the cinematic moment of that. I see that as like, man, where is the god of Elijah? And just slaps it down. Just, just rocks the moment. I love, I love it, and and I think the, you know, the devil portion, uh, is like Elijah is just saying, I don't know that God's gonna do that, mm-hmm. you know, but here I know this. Mm-hmm. If he's gonna do it, this is how it's gonna unfold. Yeah, and uh, the chariot, whole chariot's a fire thing. Ooh. I mean, this is a, this is, it, it is a whole epic cinematic thing, and that uh, you have this, uh, these chariots of fire that come and take Elijah away again. Another moment where we do not, um, I mean, you have kind of a weird exit for Moses. Mm-hmm. He does die. Yeah. He is buried. Uh, you know, they bury him they or whatever. That. But uh, but uh, he, uh, um, the. Uh, it's kind of a God orchestrated departing. Yes, God orchestrated departing, right. And yeah. so um, God buries him. Nobody mm-hmm. And nobody knows where he is. Right. And with Elijah, it's similar in that God takes him and nobody knows where he is. It's, uh, and then you have Enoch, which gets thrown in there for something in there yeah we don't know how to deal with that on that note kind of rabbit trail but in jude it talks about like satan like arguing with archangel michael over the body of moses yes and so like satan doesn't even like have access to this body yeah 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 i don't know there's a lot in the bible you guys got to read it (laughs) it's it's pretty interesting stuff yeah we're not we're not quite to jude yet but we're no uh, no no November, maybe yeah. December. Okay. But yeah, yeah, let's get to the questions. Yeah, we'll be back. Here we go. This is the Q&A section. Fire point blank into the podcast. You guys are welcome to send us your questions in any way you feel like sending us questions. But Pastor Troy, we have a lot of questions to get through. We do have a lot of questions to get through, and we will tackle this one. It says, the book of the end, uh, the reading, it says in the NIV, uh, it references the book of the annals of the kings of Judah, and uh, and then the chronicles of the kings of Judah, which says in the New King James Version. Um, anyway, the question was, what what is that? And, uh, well, the, the first off to, to realize that first and second chronicles was written after first and second kings. And so it cannot be referencing the exact first and second chronicles in uh, that you're reading because that didn't exist at that time. But first and second chronicles does allude to that it it probably did reference that document, whatever that document was, of the chronicle, it probably pulled its information from those chronicles of Judah, those annals of the kings of Judah. This was a normal thing. I mean, this was a, every Persian kings did it. And, and you remember in the story of, in the book of Esther, uh, how uh, 
King uh, Nebuchadnezzar Hazarus. I don't remember which name he goes the by. The Esther King. Uh, the Esther King. Artaxerxes. Um, no, Ar- Ar- no, it's not Artaxerxes. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. It's Babylon. Oh. Uh, is it's uh, Ar- is Artaxerxes uh, and Esther? Or Esther, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but is it a Hazarus? Am I right there? Is that what they she calls him an Esther. Am I right? right? So anyway, now it's gonna bug me. Man, you look that up while what I'm. What is it? Talking. Esther's King. It was Esther's King. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll I think do that. that um, Fact checking. I think Ahasuerus is the name that they used, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but it was Artaxerxes. I know there were Xerxes, Artaxerxes, and Darius. It's Darius, Cyrus, Artaxerxes. Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, yeah. yeah. That's what they called him, but I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it is also, he's not Darius, but he's, I think he's Artaxerxes. Um, uh, and um, anyway. Oh, just Xerxes. It's just Xerxes? Yeah. Okay. Not Artaxerxes. Singular Xerxes. Singular Xerxes. That's right. Okay, <laughs> good. Uh, so, um, anyway, in that story, he's reading. He can't sleep at night, and he, they bring him the chronicles and read to him of the kings of Persia. Mm. So, this is the thing that every king and the is kept in the court of every king, and it's basically everything that happens in the king's court. They, it's officially, if something happens that affects the kingdom or goes on, it's officially entered into the chronicles or the annals of the kings or the chronicles of the kings. And it's like so, a courtroom log. Right. And so when it's referenced, it's just simply saying it would be something that the contemporaries, uh, a lot of people believe Jeremiah wrote the uh, first and second chronicles and so uh, it would have been something that the contemporaries of that time would have reference to or knowledge of and so they would know they would have uh, so when it says you can get the rest of this information in these chronicles or the annals of the kings of judah they would have known what that was and where that could be found um obviously we're not given access to that but we do get some information from that in first and second chronicles so cool yeah so cool. that was that what was the next one? Piece of cake. Next, oh, next one. Is really like this question. This is was texted in to us. Okay. Um, it comes from John 14, 28. Ooh, it says, John Jesus 14. says the Father is greater than Jesus himself. How does this fit our, in our understanding of the Trinity? It doesn't. Don't believe that part of the Bible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 All right. Story <laughs> <You heard. laughs> Let's wrap it up. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I only joke that way because it's like, uh, I just wonder if that was the alternative you're thinking that, that we would have. Uh, how does it fit? Uh, well, Jesus, uh, Jesus, it's Paul says later about Jesus that he did not uh, equality with God was not something that he brought uh, into his uh, that he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Um, trying to quote that correctly, yeah. the uh, he. Let me just explain it theologically, and then we can look at biblical text if we need to. But the, uh, if you can think of it like this, Jesus is fully God, and he is putting on himself, adding to his full godness, humanity. This is an aspect of God that God has never had. He's never brought on humanity. In order to fully experience humanity, he sets aside his uh, complete and total uh, access to being God or eternal or co-eternal. Um, and so that's one aspect. He submits himself to this to this plan where he makes himself uh, where he's only one place at one time. There are things that he doesn't know. Obviously, uh, God knows how to speak Hebrew and can walk and or you know and talk and so forth and and, and has 
infinite knowledge. He's omniscient, knows everything. Yet Jesus will repeatedly say, only the Father knows this, the day or the hour of, of when this is all going to end and so forth. To just show that he he's saying, I'm, I've limited my, I'm not accessing that part of myself in order to experience this as a man. Um, and then is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So we can see this is what it would be. Because, I mean, when you're when you're a Moses on the mountain with God, there's no thought in Moses' mind, oh, well, God, can I do what you're doing right now? Can I be this, <laughs> whatever? Be? There's no thought of that. But with Jesus, he, is, he even says, you know the things I'm doing? You're going to be able to do these things because the same spirit that's empowering me is going to empower you. As a physical man, the Holy Spirit's going to empower you, and which is in, in, imperative. So in order for that to really work, he can't have this secret access mm-hmm. to being Superman mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that we don't possess. Uh, so he and he does that on purpose. So he denies himself that. But there's also something greater at play that Scripture reveals to us, and that is in the Godhead. The son submits to the father, mm. and uh, and this is this is a the only representation we really have. A metaphor for it is marriage, mm. that a husband and wife are equal within the marriage of relationship. The husband being the head of the home, he's only the head because the wife is willing to submit to that headship, and and so when people say and and this is a little highlight or a little off you know statement uh, submission is not the same as saying wives be obedient to your husbands. Um, obedience would imply, if God had said that, it would imply that the father, uh, the the head of the household, the dad, husband, is the all-knowing one, and what I say goes. But that's not that's not what he's implying here. It's, it's more that he is a servant head, and that he is there to serve the wife and the family, and that in being that servant leader, and in, in being the person who is now accessing to God, uh, that the wife is submitting to that headship in order, you know, to follow the same idea that Jesus and the Father have. Uh, he trusts in the Father's plan. He trusts the Father's will, and so he follows the Father's will. And so it's it's a it is it's really hard to grasp that unless you have the Spirit of Christ. Uh, in fact, I don't think it's possible. I don't think you can do it. I think we. I think that's why marriages get so messed up is because we take the spirit of Christ out of those things. But, mm. uh, but that that is that is the answer. Jesus is not lesser than the Father. He is still he is still coequal with the Trinity. He still is completely God, fully God. He just willingly submits himself. He just willingly does denies himself uh, certain things in order to rightly relate. Uh, to the Father in the Godhead. So question, just this is from me, uh, mm-hmm. would it be taking it out of context or misinterpreting it when Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will send the Spirit? I've always kind of seen that as like, of course, they're all co-equal, co-unified partners in the, in the Godhead, but right. it does seem like the not only the Son, but also the Holy Spirit are submissive to the father Correct. role yes because um, if jesus asks the father and then the father has the authority to send the spirit right this might be parsing hairs but and and it really the spirit being submissive to the son yeah yeah he, yeah. he, he is doing the will of the son mm-hmm. and so there is a, in the hierarchy it would be father son spirit yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. But they again, Holy Spirit still co-equal. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit still Absolutely. fully God. Yeah, yeah. Still have all the manifestations of God. Um, you know, I, there's so many ways we've tried to communicate that relationship. You know, as far as like water, you know, which is horrible, <laughs> doesn't work, breaks down really fast. Uh, the um, I think one uh, one of my f- more appreciative ones is when you talk about the human race. And all the all that require all that's required within the human mm-hmm. race. If you think of God as a different, is he is not human, mm-hmm. and so within being God, um, there multiple are different facets. there are multiple facets yeah. of that. Just as there are billions of us who make up the human race, and we all mm-hmm. connect together to do so. Or the church itself, you know, we all mm-hmm. I mean all the different parts make up the body. Uh, it takes there are three parts in the Godhead, uh, and they. One is not greater than the other. They just have different roles and distinctions. Yeah. It is, um, I mean, from a theological point of view, it breaks down to uh, there's a disagreement within the church of what's called complementarianism versus egalitarianism. And that is a belief that before the fall that men and women did not have specific roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you really understand the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it would make sense that those roles are not bad, mm-hmm. uh, that they are actually, they've been corrupted and distorted because of the fall, but uh, they were always meant to be that way. They pre-existed. Yeah, they pre-existed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, one more kind of closer question Sure. I have here. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, back to you, Elisha. All right. um, it's kind of a what-in-the-world moment. Uh, why... Would he sick bears on kids for making fun of his baldness? Isn't that a little harsh? <laughs> the, the she bears. I uh, yeah. Let's look up that passage because I want to look at it. Real Second quick. Kings two twenty three to twenty five. Second Kings. Uh, this is like my Bible drills day. <laughs> I've got it pulled up right here. It's you a, want it? I have to look at it in my Bible. Day. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Uh, Second Kings, what now? Uh, two twenty three to twenty five. Is that that's the very end of this week's reading, right? Uh, yes. Um, dun, 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 dun. Um, okay, it says, from there, oh, I don't want to read from that version. That's <laughs> NIV. I'm, I'm sorry. NIV, I, the I nearly inspired I version. I can't give it any airtime. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're an NIV fan up there, I'm going to switch to this one. Um, it says, okay, um, this is after Elisha has just performed this miracle where he saved a community by making their water pure and still remains healthy to, to this day. I guess we're never this At the time of the written. Yeah, exactly. And then in verse 23 of Second uh, Kings chapter 2, it says, From there Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking at the pass, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, Go up, Baldy, go up, Baldy. Uh, other versions will say so that's what my translation says. Other translations say go up bald head. Mine is bald head. Okay, yeah. and uh, and so forth. So anyway, but I like baldy. Same thing. I I'll really like baldy. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna give kudos to the uh, Christian Standard Bible people <laughs> for putting baldy in there. Uh, he turned around, looked at them. I can almost see John Piper doing this. Uh, he turned around, <laughs> looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears, she-bears, came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel, and then he returned to um, Samaria. Um, so you think he meant to do it? Um, 
I think I think the um, I think the point was that uh, it's kind of this kind of reminds me of the Ananias and Sapphira moment. Mm-hmm. I think they're just key. With Ananias and Sapphira, I feel like I always need to explain things. In the New Testament, there's a moment where everybody gives their gifts to the Lord, and there's a couple within the church, Ananias and Sapphira, that lie about it. They say they gave the money, but they didn't give the money. And I don't think it was about the fact that they didn't give the money that they died, because then they died. They dropped dead and died, <laughs> uh, which was really – and the church is like, <gasps> you know. Uh, and and as much as I would love to preach, if you don't give to the church, you will die, because uh, <laughs> it says so in the Bible – uh, that wasn't what was happening. It was such it was such an early time in the ministry and life of the church that it was like there's no room for seeds of corruption. And so God was just saying, when you start something, it really needs to be as mm-hmm. pure as it can be. And and here you had a bad seed early on in the church. It's like nope, no place for that. Mm-hmm. And the apostles confronted it, and boom. And and that's and basically that was what happened. It's like. You know, I'm gonna. We're gonna give you the wife an opportunity to make this right and say uh, say the right thing, and then it's like, nope. Same people that carried your dead husband out, the people are gonna carry your body out too. Mm. And in this instance with Elisha, you have these, and we don't know the age of these. It says small boys, but it could be. Uh, it's it's kind of like looking at Rehoboam's friends. Uh, they were contemporaries, young, a younger generation. Could have been uh, probably younger than forty. Uh, so 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, uh, definitely probably millennials. Uh, <laughs> definitely millennials. <laughs> and uh, Or Gen Z, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to say that but, next time you go up to your office. <laughs> go on up, you baldy. <laughs> That's right. Now I'm going to turn around Christians. That's happens. right. <laughs> uh, but if a she-bear comes in the building, you know, well, no. you've done something wrong. The, um, but the thing, uh, he turns around and he curses these young men. And I remember teaching in Christian school, and this was a Bible story. I had to teach a group of fifth and sixth graders, which was really compelling. Wow. Um, and uh, which really, I got no more people being critical of me after hmm. the story. How about that? There you go. Now we um, yeah. So it went, went, went a ways. Um, but Elisha, at this moment, is establishing himself. In fact, it's a series of stories, starting with the mantle that you uh, shared about him striking the water and so forth. This is all, every story that's being shared here is just simply in there to demonstrate Elisha is being established as the prophet of the Lord. And even people who disrespected him and were sort of threatening his place is, uh, you know, it, this of this prominence of being the man of God and being the one who speaks for God. Uh, uh, so the taunting was one that it was, it was like God saying, uh, I'm going to make an example. And, uh, and so they are mauled by a couple of bears to really make the impact. This, <laughs> this is not to be trifled with. Mm. You are, you should not disrespect um, not only the word of the Lord, but the but the bringer, the bearer of the word of the Lord. Um, I, I think it's a. I think it kind of goes back to David saying. I mean, you think of David, who had a who was a man after God's own heart, would not touch Saul, you know, or his family. I mean, would not kill them. And uh, we had the one instance where the men of Saul's family were mm-hmm. hanged, but uh, that was actually Solomon, I think, right? That uh, did it. it was David, but he didn't like. Where he had to, where he had to appease he had to give the up, m- 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 Mephibosheth. 
The right. He would not give up Mephibosheth. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't make my point then. Uh, no, no, because he <laughs> no, did yeah, give yeah. up, but it was Jonathan. Like he would, different... he he would. He, those he had sworn allegiance to, he would not right. uh, do that. Yeah. And um, and so you have, uh, but this protection of this reverence for God's people and His word and respect and so forth. Again, Elisha does not make the bears maul the youths. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't say that. It's it God. God is he the one. He cursed them, and yeah. then they and came. Then, and they came, which is an act of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, very much like the man of God who defied or broke the covenant of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, again, God does this repeatedly to show, just to show, this is this is important. And so, uh, but that but that would be the point of the stories. If, you're, if you took it out of context, it wouldn't make sense. But it's in a series of stories to show that God, God himself is establishing Elisha. And, and so that story would be circulated in that time, and people would say, do not mess with this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the real deal. You know, kind of like, it makes me think of Clint Eastwood, the, you know, the man with no name or something. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, word, should, word gets around. It's like, don't deal with the outlaw Josie Wales. So, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I went down that path. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so. Cool. All right, yeah. well. I think that's that's it. Okay, cool. Well, thank, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.